the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Thursday turned out to be a record-setting day with NASDAQ composite closing a new record high. And the S&P 500 hitting a record intraday high. Some late selling interest. However, kept the S&P 500 from hitting that record closing high. I don't like record closes. And it's kind of goofy that I say that. Uh, But I'm years and years and years away from retiring. I want the record close when I retire. Um, We may get it today. We may not. Um, Certainly, if you look at the headlines around the world, you'd be like, how are we at record highs? Uh, just looking at the 10-year Treasury bonds sitting at 1.9%, that's stressful. In a healthy world economy, the 10-year Treasury bond's at 4 4.5%. Uh, we're not there. So we're in an unhealthy world that's using cheap money to basically you know, float the boat or get us by, what have you. Um, Saudi Arabia has a solution to the global oil glut, progr- oil glut program. Um, oil, big issue this year. So... and. Saudi, instead of saying, okay, it's cheap, we're going to cut production, they're like, we're going to keep production up, and we're going to put the Americans out of business, and that's the kind of a negative in our economy, but other than that, the economy looks pretty good. I was asked to speak last night at a client event with CFP Chad Burton and New Focus Financial, and, you know, summing things up, I like the economy looks okay in the U.S., so I still like small caps and mid caps for sure. Internationally, the strong dollar is a bit of a problem, so big international companies are hitting some headwinds there. Um... But all things considered, I'm okay. The valuations are the biggest thing that I would say stress me as far as can we have another up year. And like CFP Chad Burton said in the first segment, how about a sideways year? Yeah, what's pushing the market up right now is that we went into this quarter with so much lower guidance and expectations from analysts that it was the first quarter since um, I think 2011 where we're seeing we were expecting actually negative results lower earnings per share. So the, the expectations going into this reporting season were so low. People are getting a, kind of a, we've only had, what, 20% of the company's report so far, but so far not, not too bad. Um, I mean, the issue is is that we're at a forward price-to-earnings ratio at about 17 on these big U.S. companies. And they're facing the headwinds of the strong U.S. dollar, which the profits overseas are, are getting hurt, yet they can buy goods from overseas. That's helping your, you know, oil's low and petroleum goes into so much that we do. It's it's kind of like a, you know, in the longer run, companies deal with these cycles all the time. It's interesting because low oil for me and you, cheaper gas. We love it. Mm-hmm. Probably cheaper airfares. People are paying off debt right now. Probably cheaper airfares, more mm-hmm. travel. But then lower oil is like problems for countries. Yeah. Yeah, and so this, the shale industry, which has created a lot of jobs in the U.S., there's yeah. going to be a lot of companies that go out of business and are consolidated into bigger companies. Russia, um, a lot of little Middle Eastern uh, countries, Venezuela, mm-hmm. they're hitting poverty issues. I, they bank on higher oil. And uh, you don't want people unhappy in the world because when they're unhappy, they want to kill us. Right. Um, or they have more desire to kill us than when they're 
do it okay. But listen to these stock moves today, Chad. Amazon up 15%, Microsoft up 7.5%, Starbucks up 5%, Google up 2.5%, Biogen up 6%. Those are huge moves. Yeah. When the stock market was in my dad's work, 7% in a year. Mm-hmm. And it took a whole 12 months to get there. <laughs> now we're getting and these now, daily moves. It's a daily move. That's probably a bad sign. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's a complacency right now. So any surprises on the upside or downside, you're going to get exaggerated moves when you have a, ver- a real lack of volatility. So we're kind of bracing people for the next uh, six months, the next two earnings seasons to brace for the volatility. You get yeah. the... The group of people that talk about the sell in May go away, which is a common, you know, discussion that you hear on radio hasn't worked the last couple of years. Um, you know, selling and going away totally never really works because those people that even called it right in 2007 or eight, now they're wishing they would have stayed in, collected all those dividends, and now they're higher than they were. So, you know, there's not a lot of momentum issues. The market is fairly to fully valued on most stocks right now, where you're seeing a lot of value is emerging markets, but emerging markets are dealing with debt issues, with current account deficit issues. Um, keep an eye on over there, because once you see momentum, and you're starting to see you know, European stocks, emerging markets outperform the U.S., but it's based on quantitative easing. So I want to get back to revenue growth, Rob. Okay. Profit margins are at all-time highs. That's one of the things that you get, two things that, are, that could push the market higher. Profit margins being at all-time highs, and companies are finding ways to cut costs, cut the number of shares that are outstanding, which means more earnings per share for you. And uh, you've got a real lack of return in the bond market, which is what these you know central banks are wanting to do. Put Get your money into risk assets is what they're wanting people to do. Um, so stocks look more attractive than bonds because of the dividends, but there's more volatility involved with that. So brace yourselves. Don't be panic. You know, don't... don't get into this panic mode when you do see the first 10% correction or even the first 20% correction. Think of it as buying opportunities. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. We have an event coming up this weekend tomorrow, Money 101, all things financial. Four points by Sheraton, San Jose Airport. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's from 9 to noon. I'm going to go over everything basic, everything that you may be forgetting. Um, I'm going to go over what I do, what I did right, what I did wrong, Going to be taking your questions and hopefully giving you as many answers as possible in the afternoon. CFP Chad Burton is going to run through wealth preservation, retirement planning, tax efficient investing, allocating and rebalancing your portfolio in retirement. That's where it gets tricky, Chad. You're doing that from one to four, but in retirement, you don't have time to make a mistake. Right. Me right now, I could buy a stock and it can go to zero, or I could forget to update my European or Asian exposure and it's not going to destroy my 401k. Right. Um, you know, but, it used to be like that in the past, you know, that? when we first got in the business, you know, 20, almost 23 years ago now, you would explain asset allocation, like engines in a car, right? You, you own different asset classes. Cause usually when something's up or when something's down, something else is up, whether it's U S stocks versus REITs versus international commodities, correlations are getting squeezed together. One as we become a global economy. Stocks from different parts of the world are moving together. Rarely is the U.S. the best place to be. It has been in the last couple of years. hasn't been this last quarter. China's Um, up 30%. We're up too. Yeah, but the the whole China thing, Rob, a lot Mm. of that has to do with, again, people, you know, going into risk assets, and now there's this arbitrage from Shanghai to to Hong Kong because that hasn't moved as much, even though um, you're starting to see some some debt issues over there. So I'm kind of like you. I'm like, ugh, China's a little bit. What the heck is going on over there? I don't want to spend a lot of time being focused on one country investment. This is why, you know, too, what I'm going to talk about in the first event, and these are very different events, so I doubt if you like the first one, you'll like the second one, because it's very different, right? Yeah. But on the first one, I'm going to show you why and how investing is easier than it ever has been before, and why the things that you can do until you get your first 250 grand before you even need or should need a financial planner. Once you hit that 250 to $500,000 level, that's when it becomes, I don't have time to do this. It's too much work. I'm afraid I'm making mistakes or, I'm, or, or people start doing emotional investing mistakes. And then they have more college questions. They have more insurance questions. They have more tax questions. And that's when they tend to need to hire a certified financial planner practitioner. Big events coming up this weekend. You can learn more at robblack.com. Money 101, all things financial in the morning. 
in the afternoon at 12 Preservation Retirement Planning. You can sign up at robblack.com. Come on out. We have room uh, for a while. So hope to see you there tomorrow. Sign up at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Steph Curry somehow scored six points in nine seconds to complete the most insane comeback of the year. With that said, uh, this is just an opinion. I watch people who go to sporting events, and it just freaks me out, Chad. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. Really, um, really, really expensive. And it's it's, it's the bourgeois. Um it's it's not for poor people, and yet I see a lot of poor people at those games, and or what looks like poor people. How how where way to fi- judge, buddy? Way to judge. <laughs> where are they pulling that money from? Oh, credit cards. I don't know. I don't know. So, I split a quarter of a season with a group of guys, and okay. it's expensive. And when I finally was able to do that, and I was like, oh, you know, I feel like I've kind of hit it. You're able to go to a lot of sporting events because it is expensive, and a quarter of a season is plenty. Yeah, it's expensive to park, drinks, food, all of it. It's it, it's a very expensive night. Biggest financial mistake I made in my life, not Cindy. Believe it or not, the marriage deployed my model wasn't as bad as you would think financially speaking. But it was um, I got season tickets to the Washington Capitals back when I was like 25 years old. Mm. Um, and 41 games of hockey, you are bored out of your mind after game 10. Oh yeah. I get 12 games a year, and that's, that's plenty. I, I couldn't imagine going to more, really. And you find yourself like, hey, Chad, can you get to a game with me tonight? Like, you, you're you're desperately pulling people out of your life that, like, you and I would never go to a sporting event together. We like each other not that much. That's what we did the first time we met we went to a hockey game. And I've never been to a game with you since in 15 years. <laughs> Fair? Fair. Well, we, you know, had kids. I mean, let's face it, my wife was pregnant yeah. with my son when we met. And I, so my weekends were over for a while. <laughs> and I was fascinated with the whole Portland Icebreakers, AHL, Winterhawks. Winterhawks. Yeah. Were they the Icebreakers at some point? No. Okay. That's just your joke. <laughs> no. You know, I was really hoping it was going to be the Blazers and the Warriors in yeah. the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. But then we lost Matthews. We had some injuries. Do you feel do you feel bad that you got season tickets, like, or you partial season tickets, and your team's not going to? like reward you with a trophy or anything like i get mad i thought this was the year i thought this was the year the blazers were going to go all the way you were delusional no i wasn't I'm so happy are you you're, kidding I'm so happy you're good at the that team money that we had it, but, but that's sports. what happens a northwest team whether it's the seahawks or the blazers you can't they can't do well in the beginning because when they do really well in the beginning they they it, it, it ends up bad every time you know the weather gets to them i don't know what it is <laughs> but, you know anyway um i feel at the end of the hockey season or the end of what have you I always feel ripped off. I'm like, I spent so much money on this season, and I went to like 40 games, and they didn't win the Stanley Cup. Like, like I'm mad at I'm mad at myself. I'm disappointed at myself. If you're going to do season tickets, or if you're going to go to a lot of games, you want it to be the year that it's magical, right? In my opinion, because then you, there's the investment in it. Like, hey, I was there. And then you got to um, go through the rebuilding year because if they don't hit it, then they lose some key players. Like, Blazers might lose the Marcus Aldridge. He's 50-50 chance he's gone next year. I bet 98% of our audience has no clue who you're talking about right yeah, now. If, if they follow basketball, they know the Golden State, they know who, you know, L.A. is. Oh, that's all I'm saying is <laughs> brutal. But pretty exciting ending to the game last night. Uh, hopefully oh, it was so fun to watch. People got to watch a little bit of that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Chad and I are doing an event coming up tomorrow in San Jose. Um I cover everything as, as honestly as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell stories of, like, you know, divorce can be expensive or it can be cheap. I think that's one of my better pieces of advice is 
when you go through a divorce in California, do not lawyer up. Just get, just don't do it. You're not going to win. Get, the uh, lawyers win. Big time. Mm-hmm. I've seen divorces cost as much as sixty, eighty thousand dollars, and that's just money out of your pocket. Chad says higher, higher, <laughs> higher, higher. It can get ugly, and then you end up splitting the assets anyways. The the longer that the parents tend to fight, the worse the kids end up doing too in these in those types of divorces. But there's that collaborative divorce that I've talked about before. Where you you have you do have attorneys, but you each have certified financial planner practitioners, yep. and then a third non biased one. So you come up with plans and negotiation, and then there's a third party that's that's uh, supposed to be non biased in terms of saying whether it's fair or not. So look at that. If you go if you're going into that situation. Look for that term collaborative divorce. Try to get both people on board with it. And um, I've seen divorces for people last, you know, three or four years. And at the end of it, it's still split almost in half. Right. It, it always kids gets are miserable, yeah. and the attorneys have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what someone makes a mistake on, you think you can, like, convince the attorney to be your friend or convince your attorney that, like, she cheated on me or she did this and – they don't, judges don't care. And they don't care. Right. And you just feel better because, like, and attorneys will be like, absolutely, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Cha-ching. Yep, Cha-ching. every email you send. Every... Isn't that crazy, emails? How much do they charge for emails? Yeah, they read really slow, apparently. <laughs> Anyhow, I think that they teach that at law school. Yes, how to, slow, how to read reading. slow 101. <laughs> how to call them back five times and charge them for each callback. Right. Oh, sorry, we got disconnected. Don't leave your attorney long voicemails, ever. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at uh, Tim Cook and his Ice Bucket Challenge. If he had done that today, people would be like, you're wasting water. He did, <laughs> he did that a couple years ago, and yep. people are like, ooh, you're cool. Yeah. Um, California's uh, changing pretty drastically. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know, what the water issue turns out to be as far as how much do we... Uh, patterns do we change? And patterns are what I'm trying to get at here is that, like, if you can get into the pattern of taking a shower really quickly, if you can get into the idea of saving water. And, like, when I see people ask for water at a restaurant and then they leave it full, and, you know, it takes, like, eight glasses of water to clean one glass of water through the dishwasher and things like that. Yep. It's just, it's insane. But getting in patterns is, is key to success to investing, in my opinion. Uh, best thing I ever did, investing-wise... You know, I just told you the worst thing I ever did was buy season tickets. Best thing I ever did money-wise is probably do a 401k. Have it taken out every two weeks. I don't have to think about it. That's the best way to do it. I, seriously, in financial planning, the easiest part of it nowadays is investing. Okay. With, um, you know, we talked about, and I'll show this at the the first event on Saturday. We have a site that you could, literally within 10 minutes, you could create an account, invest it, fund it. It's automatically rebalanced for you whenever there's drift. You can take small dollar amounts and get, very diversified portfolio. Technology has made investing a lot easier, and then ETFs, exchange-traded funds, has made it extremely cheap for people to get started. Now, those types of portfolios, those robo-advisor options, are fine for your first hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. After that, you do need more. Um, you know, you you see this term uh, that you see some of these robo-advisors talking about tax loss harvesting. If you don't have all your accounts in one place, you can really get into trouble for that with wash sales and everything else. So I hear the music. can't really explain it now, but that's that. You can't get, wealthy people shouldn't use those options. They need a personal relationship. We will talk about this and more tomorrow at the seminar. If people want to drop an email, rob at robblackshow.com. But tomorrow, going to be in San Jose at the Four Points by Sheraton Hotel. I'm running the 9 to noon event. Chad's running the 1 to 4. Wealth creation in the morning, wealth preservation in the afternoon. Sign up at robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Elijah Wilson with Newsweek. How are you, Elijah? I'm doing well, thanks. You've done the cover, which, again, for some reason that freaks me out, and I'm incredibly thrilled for you because that must make you wildly proud, but you've probably done many covers for Newsweek. Um, so congratulations on getting the cover. Yeah, uh, thanks. So with that said, you did a story on California's drought. I'm doing the show right now in San Francisco, uh, Bay Area. California drought is a big story here. Where are you based out of? I'm based out of New York, but I've actually spent a significant time in the in the Bay. I went to uh, school over at Berkeley and then have lived in Oakland for uh, a good chunk of time. So I'm pretty familiar with the area. Yeah, I'm just curious because um, what's the New York opinion of California and the drought? Because we live here and we kind of see the story, but you have a wintry weather and you've got snow and rain. And uh, Does the common person think of the California situation as perilous or just a, a headline that is passing? Um, I think it is becoming more and more of a concern. You know, I mean, as I'm sure you're well, well aware because it's been so much in the news recently. California provides the whole country with, you know, most of the food we eat. So, I, you know, I think people on the East Coast are, are pretty aware of that and are pretty, um, you know, sort of attuned to what impact the drought might have on that, the, the you know, the agricultural system of our country. Um, I, I do think that there's a sort of, having been on both sides of the country, I think that there is a sort of history of disaster rhetoric around California, particularly in the East Coast media, you know, all the earthquakes, the fires in the south, um, now the drought. So I do think that there is some of that that makes it feel like, oh, this is just another one of these kind of California disaster stories. But at the same time, I think people are are starting to take it seriously. I mean, we're feeling different types of uh, impacts of climate change. And I I think it's, it's become one of the sort of keystones of the bigger climate change narrative. So let's talk about your cover, per se, your cover story. Um, I read it yesterday, and uh, I'm almost saying that I got goosebumps because it's, it's the in-depth of your, of your article. It, 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 I think it encapsulates really well what's going on here and puts some perspective on it. Thank you. What is your takeaway, would you say, or what, what was your approach to the story first? And I guess we'll get to your takeaway later. Um, well, I think they're kind of part and parcel. Um, I was really interested in looking uh, at the silver lining, I guess. Um, I wanted to see what we could do in the future. So sort of like ideally if we were to plan appropriately and invest in the right ways, what the California of the future might look like. And that kind of led me down this path of looking at um, sort of what's happened in, in water innovation and technology over the course of California's history. And I think if you go back to the you know early half of the 20th century, the early years there, there was sort of this um, massive investment into water infrastructure, development, innovation, these massive, you know, world-changing projects to move water across the state, and it really created California as, as we know it today. Um, but all of that innovation stagnated. In, uh, in the last, you know, 40 years or so, there hasn't been much of anything done. You know, the last big projects were back in the 70s. Um, and, and what happened is that all of those, all that innovation and geoengineering was great and, and did you know, was was really tremendous work, but it it didn't anticipate climate change, and and now we're working in a whole new uh, environment, and and the old technologies that we use don't work anymore, and that's sort of what I think has put California in the situation it's in right now. Um, so so that's sort of the background, and then the takeaway, I guess, is that um, what I'm seeing now, or what I saw in the research, and with all the people I talked to, is that the investment into water water innovation and, and uh, research is, is starting, it's sort of getting a kickstart right now. It, it's being, the drought kind of pushed people over the edge and is, is forcing everyone's hand into investing in water technology that we haven't really seen or 
um, built up in, in recent years. So I think what you're going to see in the next couple of decades is, is really an explosion in that field. So I think your article is kind of hopeful because it talked about desalination and it talked about, like you said, solutions that are coming down the road. And for better, for worse, we're going to get through this. And it could be for better. It could be for worse. And um, I, I talk a little bit about desalination and some of the technologies that you're seeing out there. Because from portable showers to I have a neighbor who he now showers. He turns on the water, gets wet, lathers up, turns off the water, or he turns on the water, gets wet, turns it off, lathers up, soaps everything up turns on the water, rinses, and it's all. He uses less than a minute of water for a shower. Yeah. I mean, people have been doing that for years in other parts of the country, in other parts of the world. Right. I mean, like, the thing about it is efficiency is really the name of the game. Water efficiency is the name of the game everywhere. It's kind of striking. You know, the average Californian uses 181 gallons of water every day. And if you compare that to other places with similar climates, um, the average Israeli uses 70 gallons a day. In Spain, they use just 36 gallons per person per day. So, I mean, there's some basic small things that each individual can do that, that can definitely add up. Um, I mean, that gets into sort of the economics of it. I think the, these other places tend to price water out a little more um, accurately, I would say. I, you know, I'm not really an economist. I don't know a ton about it, but I do know from having spoken with people that there's a lot of people who think that water is too cheap and, and that, you know, that, that makes it, that keeps the, you know, it, it's sort of a false market. Um, so, but I, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is I think that there's a lot of ways we could decrease demand, um, but there's two sides of it. So you want to, there's technology to decrease demand. So very simple things like, you know, water shower heads, those sort of like handheld shower heads you see, low flow toilets, all that sort of basic stuff. Um, I think we could across the board improve the efficiency of farming. Um, the Pacific Institute estimated that we lose almost, you know, somewhere around 6 million acre feet of water, which is a tremendous amount of water every year because of inefficient farming. And if we sort of improved the efficiency of, of our irrigation system statewide and made it a mandate that it comes top down, that would improve um, you know, it, it would decrease demand for water uh, significantly. Um, and then there's the, the, the supply side, so the desalination and, and wastewater recycling plants, these uh, technological solutions that can turn water that would otherwise be unusable into potable water or water that can be used to irrigate crops. Do you think Jerry Brown's doing appropriate measures, or are we a little behind the curve here? Uh, I think we're behind the curve, but I think it's moving in the right direction. I, you know, like I said, other places that are uh, arid have a much different cultural relationship with water than California does. For years, it, it was California's, been, and, and you know, I include myself. I lived there. I, we acted like there was unlimited water when really there wasn't. Um, and so now we're starting to. This is forcing us to act a little differently, and, and you know. Shifts in, in culture can occur. You look at things like seatbelts or smoking cigarettes. Um, it's definitely possible to change the way we relate to water and the way we talk about water use. Um, and, I, you know, it, it, the top-down measures are definitely going to help that. I think um, you'll see there's a lot of thing, good things that have been done that are, are coming down the pike. Um, the the rules governing uh, groundwater withdrawal that were passed last year are going to come into play in the next few years, and, and that'll be pretty significant. There's better uh, reporting requirements now around water use, so Sacramento can finally understand what is actually happening with the water. For years, I think, nobody really knew exactly how much water was being used. I mean, I wrote about this in my article a little. It's sort of like Sacramento was acting blind and making their decisions. Which is a horrible, you know, that's that's not the way you want your government to be deciding the future of your state. Um, so I think the laws that are going to 
force better reporting and, and force better water measurement are going to have a huge impact. And, and those are some of the things that I think Sacramento is doing really well right now or is moving towards doing better. We've got about 30 seconds. Any final thoughts from you? Elijah Wolfson, cover of Newsweek this week, California's Future, Just Add Water. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, except that I do think that there's a lot of potential here. Um, from 2000 to 2013, $69 billion was invested in clean energy and just $1.5 billion was invested in water. So, I mean, you can imagine what how our water might look if we invested in it the way we invest in solar, for example. Thanks so much, Elijah Wolfson. I hope to talk to you soon. I hear you're pretty well connected with California. From your publicist, drying up the race to save California from drought cover of Newsweek. You really want to get a good handle on this so you can talk to your neighbors and look at them a little wonky when they're watering their yards. Uh, pick up the newest issue of Newsweek. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. That was Elijah Wolfson. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Funny thing about radio chat is uh, I like to be able to hear my voice. And when you have headphones on, you really can't, and your audio output low enough, you can't really hear it. But uh, who would have known? You like to actually hear your voice so that you can actually kind of come up with a pace to it or something along those lines. I know you're saying talking is such a difficult thing to do. <laughs> and it is. So headline economic data today, March durable orders report this morning was an economic disappointment. And you see the headline and you see durable orders up 4%. Whoa, that's a big number. And then you dig into it a little bit more and you exclude um, a thing or two, excluding transports and the durable goods. They actually declined two-tenths of a percent. Expectations were four-tenths of a percent rise. New orders for primary metals down, fabricated metal down, machinery down, electrical equipment down, appliances down. So some of the economic data out there is not great, but like I keep coming back to, we have jobs, Chad. Unemployment in the U.S. looks pretty good, and the numbers seem to be getting a little bit better on long-term unemployment. Um, we need that velocity of money to kick up, though. I mean, before you say, okay, yeah, we could, we could extend this, this rally another five to ten years. Yeah. I mean, right now, what we're seeing consumers do is pay down debt. What we're seeing companies do, they're borrowing money to buy back their own shares, which, make, which makes the earnings per share for you higher, which is you know great for stock prices getting pushed up. Um, but we need that investment in business. You know, we need businesses to you know invest in capital, invest in assets, so that they can create more jobs. And right now, interest rates are so low. I mean, I had uh, Bill Connerly, an economist, on, and you know everything from mid-size all the way up to large-size companies, they're holding on to a lot of cash, wondering yeah. what's next, what's next. Let's just wait. Let's just wait. Which is a good thing and a bad thing. Good thing is balance sheets, beautiful. Good thing is profit margins, amazing, the best in history. The bad thing is that when companies sit on a ton of cash, that's, you know. They're sending the message that they don't see a lot of demand coming that they have to meet. That's the problem, and they're not doing a lot of hiring yet. Interesting. Just got an order for Money 101 on the web page. The guy who signed up for Money 101 also signed up for Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. He's a little confused. He should be one or the other, right? I think he just really likes Rob Black. That's fair to say. And your and your new um, kind of gray distinguished beard. That's It's pretty new. That color's new on you. I like it. Looks good. 
a little different from your Facebook st- or from your uh, website picture, though. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, you know what's what's interesting? You look at some of these consumer staples. You look at XLP, for example, as an ETF. And I've never liked guys who are who have to take down other men. I'm I serious. I, I, a, like, I, it, I, I like. I think it's a very unattractive feature. I like your gray beard. I think it looks great. You know, when you're younger and you go out with a guy, you're wingman. I always had one rule. Never, ever trash me to get a girl. That's not a that's wingman. Bo- that's horrible. That's the opposite of a wingman. Well, okay. Buddy, you go out with. Yeah. I never believe in throwing down another person. Yeah. Unless they're belligerent at work. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> when people see you at seminars talk about me, that, that's about the opposite. That's not true. I say nothing but loving, sweet <laughs> things. You you hold on to weird memories. Oh, my gosh. I, I gloat over you. I know, I know. My You're gosh. Very sweet. Very yeah. loyal guy. We had a bromance, but Joe Cannon from the San Jose Quakes broke that up. He's, <laughs> he's my bromance. Uh, do you have a bromance with the consumer staples, though? Have you? Can you? I mean, would you have thought ten years ago that you'd see consumer staple stocks trading at twenty-one PE ratios? What's a consumer staple for our audience? You know, anything that is kind of like uh, the Band-Aid-oriented stocks, the, the laundry detergent, toothpaste, Food. Those, yeah, stuff that you need in good economies and bad economies, and there's this anti-bond consumer staple stock kind of run. And I think that's where, you know, some of those some of those need to be trimmed in a portfolio. Those types of stocks are supposed to yield, you know, 3 and 4%, not 2.5, and, and be at 21 PE ratios. We have a forward-looking price-to-earnings ratio now on the S&P 500 of um, about 17, which is higher than the 10- and 40-year average. Okay. So... And the reason for that is it makes sense because interest rates are so low. You say, what do I put my money in, stocks versus bonds? So in a sense, it's kind of warranted. But also, if it's a value stock, if it's a very slow, you know, very little revenue growth stock, it doesn't deserve that type of a PE ratio. So so that's where you trim it and say, where, where else do I need to put my money? What am I missing in my portfolio? What do you think about Amazon? I love the company. Would yeah. I be an individual stock buyer of it? No, because all we do as a firm when we buy individual stocks is the dividend achievers, and they're not there yet. It's trading at next year's PE of, take a guess. One million and ten. I don't know. One ninety. Yeah. I mean the, that's fine because they're going to take over the world, but that's you know. The stock is up over thirty percent this year. It was big going into the year. It was big going into last year. I don't know what to say about that. It's up forty-seven points today. Fifty-six points, up fourteen percent. Yeah, so no, I'm glad six. some of the the ETFs and the funds I have own it. Yeah, but would I do individual stock analysis and end up buying that one? No, it's just not what I do. So, big day for some stocks out there. Starbucks having a big day. You think Starbucks is going out of business in your lifetime? <laughs> no, not a chance. I mean, and you know, I wouldn't have thought, you know, six years ago I would have bought Microsoft three years ago, but we did, and it's been a great performer. They blew away the numbers, right? No, let's be fair though. Let's think about this for a second. I just said, do you think you can see Starbucks going out of business in your life? And you're like, no. If you and I were to go back to our eight-year-old bodies with our today brains, mm. Coca-Cola was dominant. Yep. McDonald's was dominant. Right. Now you're like a uh, – you could actually probably be sued for taking your kids to um, McDonald's as you know, <laughs> child neglect or something. What are you talking about? They have artisan chicken now. <laughs> I think that's I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> that's their latest commercial. Okay. It's weird. You're, you're at a turnaround plan, and you're close to a 52-week high with that 3% yield. And I'm, you know, I'm an owner of McDonald's, but the, the currency issues and the lack of momentum with the millennials in the U.S., it's, it's, it's a stock that's constantly on our radar in terms of it, it's been a big discussion lately. Let, let's just leave it at that. And I've seen a lot of big fund managers start to, to question their holdings of McDonald's as well. But that's, that's kind of the time when, when everybody's running when you want to buy. But nobody's running so far from it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Oil is doing pretty well, you know, relative to where it fell and how it's rebounded. Ten-year treasury sits at 1.9%. That's pretty anemic, but again, it, Chad will tell you it forces people to put money in the stock market to get some sort of performance. Um, so when the ten-year treasury bond goes higher, are we to assume, Chad, that people will be pulling money out of the stock market? Because I used to say, mm-hmm. and I, it's been so long, I can't say it anymore. If the 10-year treasury is over 4%, I want to buy bonds. Right. If 10-year treasury is under 4%, I want to buy stocks. But I just I can't even say that out loud anymore because it's not even close to 4%. Well, it depends on how quick it gets to 3 because I think 3 is that turning point. Because like I said, when you got consumer staple stocks that are supposed to yield about that, mm-hmm. 
and the P ratios are that high, it depends on what revenue growth is doing in companies because we need revenue growth in, in all companies to look like what te- healthcare and tech has in terms of revenue growth. It's I'm not going across. I mean, revenue growth on financials is the worst in 20 years. They're just cost cutting. Yeah. Their revenue is horrible. But eventually that'll turn around. So it's just a, it's just a matter of of how quickly rates would jump. A huge quick jump like we had, you know, what is it, March of last year? Yeah. That's not good. If we have a slow rise based on a very fundamentally strong economy versus a quantitative easing economy, um, you know, 3% could be the turning point where you start to see it's really more of an exit from what's supposed to be the defensive stocks back into bonds. So you kind of need to like kind of barbell your portfolio, have some growth and have some value and steer clear of the expensive value. The stocks that used to be value stocks that are trading at 21 plus, those are the ones that concern me because those are the ones that people have bought for a bond alternative. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Corporations seem to be a little bit nicer. We've seen companies like TJ Maxx, McDonald's on some levels. Walmart, Target, all announced that they're going to be paying more. Mm-hmm. Um, Costco already pays more for their employees. That should help the economy. Because a lot of people, a lot of people are, you know, those Target and TJ Maxx employees. Yeah, I mean. A little stimulus coming. It's especially in, in an area like the Bay Area. It's so expensive to live here. I heard some crazy concepts about uh, Walmart's being taken over by the U.S. military. Have you heard this? <laughs> okay. Five Walmarts recently closed, and it's because of plumbing issues or something random and vague. They're going to be closed for a year. And I heard of some sort of conspiracy theory uh, that the military is conducting exercises in the Walmarts. I think you got the, the, the foundation for a brand new show. <laughs> just, just off that. No, no, more of a conspiracy theory show with oh, Rob no. Black. No, thank you. I'd like to do a dating show. Oh, that, would, it could be, that could be fun. I have a friend whose name is Lamb. And he pitched a radio show to me that I thought was pretty amazing. Is um, Rob Lamb? Oh, okay. His his pitch was, "It's Rob Lamb. What's your problem?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It makes absolutely no sense why you got the. Oh, is it? Was it going to be a combined show with Rob and this guy named Lamb? Is that you Rob know, Lamb? What's your problem? His name is Rob Lamb, and he wanted to pitch a show, and he's got lambs in his yard, which is pretty cool. Like gold, not gold, but bronze lambs. I don't know. It's a really bad joke. It's not even. It's, it's, <laughs> he honestly thought that would be a great psychiatry kind of problem-solving show. Yeah, we should get more of that. Those types of calls. We can help you with your money problems and your dating problems. Call the show eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Dating problems can be expensive. Expensive can be financially irresponsible. No, dating's cheaper than ever with Tinder now. That's not dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. That's not dating. <laughs> so says Tinderella. That ain't dating. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. We have a seminar tomorrow. You can come meet me and CFP Chad Burton. I'm doing Money 101 in the morning. He's doing Wealth Preservation in the afternoon. San Jose, sign up at robblack.com. the song but I do I could be honest and say that I like nice pop songs with a good hook I like zombie television shows um, why do we like this so much you, you put people with English accents back in Ireland and chopping off people's heads I'm all about it um, I'm actually pretty much so in touch with myself Chad I don't say I touch myself I said I'm in touch with uh, myself yeah 
Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't go there. But you did. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I knew where you were going to go. Hold on. What did Ron Burgundy say? There's not a person in this room who hasn't done that. That's true enough. Um, one of my favorite movies, Anchorman. Oh, I love it. And for the reason, I love it differently than you, because I work in television, and some of those truths are a little too close to home. Um, there's anchor people that I work with that basically trash other anchor people and say, dumbest person on the planet but can read well. And, like, okay. Um, and that's, I think, what Ron Burgundy was all about. Can you read or not read? <laughs> Do you get caught up in the prompter? Anyway, um, big event coming up tomorrow. Money 101, four points by the Sheraton San Jose Airport. In the afternoon, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning, four points by Sheraton. I'm running the morning event. Chad's running the afternoon event. But we'll be there together all day long. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. I saw something kind of interesting, Chad. There was a, a story out there about an employee who got hired by Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she ran a ton of analysis on, like, the hot coming places for tourism. Mm-hmm. And then she put it in a report, and she sent it to Twitter, and she hashtagged, or she, not hashtagged, but she put the owner of Airbnb, the CEO, and the COO in the tweet. They saw her report, and they hired her. Pretty cool way to get a job. Wow. Like, kids today, and I would never have thought that. Like, I maybe sleep in front of the uh, business, be the, the first person there would be as creative as I would get. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I'm impressed with people who come up with new ideas. And hiring today is pretty important. Starting your career as early as possible, yep. So you can make career mistakes and get them out of the way. Uh, real important. Yeah, and it's you know I met with somebody the other day that their kids going to very expensive private school still flopping around trying to figure out what they want to, you know, be when they grow up. If that's my kid, I'd say you're on your own. You go to community college until you figure it out, and then I might help you with a, a better advanced degree or something like that. But, uh, wow, it just blows me away how much money people – I think the mistakes are made by the people that can't afford to retire because they're spending so much on their kids that still haven't even had a real job yet. I've got a pretty good career. You've got a pretty good career. Mm-hmm. The guy I figured went, it out early. I'm the guy lucky. right there, he went to one of the greatest schools in the nation, and he basically makes minimum wage. That's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes you get into, you know, it's probably an issue where, oh, radio is so glamorous and, and, and amazing that, and fun. And I was talking to that guy earlier today from Newsweek, and he went to Berkeley, one of the greatest schools in the nation. And he's got a degree, obviously, in journalism, and he's writing. That's a risky proposition to get a degree in journalism in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Uh, when our news is being delivered, not by Newsweek, but by bloggers, who I'm stunned by how bad writing is. I, don't, I think only bloggers read other bloggers. You know, you know the <laughs> website. You know the website, Business Insider. Yeah, they clearly are taking some submissions from people who aren't professional writers, but are yep. getting into professional writing. Yep. Um, some of the mistakes made are pretty incredulous as yep. far as. Uh, news. You're pretty hardcore on grammar, though. But the the like Seeking Alpha people will read something on Seeking Alpha and act like it's a professional. Yeah. That has a very correct opinion, and it's just somebody that happens to be blogging for the site and submit the article. It's just, it's, it's a little scary. I got an email from someone recently, Rob at robblackshow.com that said, I saw an article and she's clearly kind of retired ish or in that area. You know, she says I'm 62. Um, and I saw an article on MSNBC, MSN, the market's going to crash. Now's the time to get your money out of the market. And she says, what do you think? It's a paid advertising that probably went to gold coins. And also, like, can you imagine that people – see, to me, it's like it's so much more complicated. It, it's – you want to write back, are you stupid? Like, I saw an article that there's UFOs. <laughs> you know, it, that's like – that's my internal editor off. That's what I want to write back. But instead, I have to go, you know what? It all depends on your age, your asset allocation, what your time frame is, your expectations. Do you have enough to retire now? You should probably be more conservative. If you don't, then you probably need to expose it to more riskier assets. What are riskier assets? Stocks are riskier assets. Um, but you, like, that doesn't come across. Like, Why are we such a simple-minded people when it comes to money and retirement and turn the market on and get in, turn the market off and get out? People want it to be like electricity. I think humans have always wanted to always be right and be able to tell the future. 
That's just it's a common theme throughout history, right? I can give you a secret right now, Chad. I don't know how electricity works. I kind of take it for granted. <laughs> I've got no idea how it gets to my house. I have no idea how it gets inside the plastic button that I turn on and off. Um, I still don't know what a double rainbow means. I saw a quadruple <laughs> rainbow. No way. I did. It's, uh, did was you it cry? A, no, I didn't cry. Oh. But I saw one. It's very rare. Um, Google. You might want to get your eyes checked. Google. <laughs> How's that LASIK doing for you? No, LASIK. You know what irritation about LASIK? The truth is it wears off. Yeah. Or your eyes just continue to age. And you're like, hey, I got LASIK, $5,000. I got perfect vision. No, I can't read close. Farsighted. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, but, you know. So plug the seminar real quick. Uh, it's so expensive. It's, just, it's tw- 23 yeah. years in the business. Scariest time to retire. Very low interest rates. Longevity. Elevated stock market. We talk about bond alternatives, maximizing Social Security, tax-efficient allocation, a lot of good stuff with portfolios. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me. You can find us at the seminar tomorrow in San Jose at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.